Healthy mother, healthy baby. That's the goal of childbirth. But what does that even mean? Does healthy simply mean that you survived the experience? Is unexpected, possibly unnecessary surgery healthy? What if you and the baby both go through the process naturally, with not even a stitch to contend with, but you are left feeling demoralized or like a failure? Is that healthy? Yes, the outcome of the process is crucial. Survival without permanent physical damage is top priority. But the experience of childbirth matters. That it can scare us or scar us or empower us. It can be what we expected or totally game-changing. What it can rarely be is forgettable. Hi everyone, I'm Lizzie Heiselt. And I'm Valerie Best, and this is Cocoon, Stories of Gestation. Today we have a woman who, among her five children, has had as many varied birth experiences as we thought it was possible to have. And while they all technically fall into the healthy mother, healthy baby category, they all left their marks in various ways. There were fights with doctors, sleepless nights spent researching and pondering, a blissful ambulance ride, and many gray hairs, though mainly by her husband. She's one of those people who'd make an invaluable friend if you were planning to have a baby and thinking about the birth process. And so, for all of you in that position, let's not waste any more time. Um, My name is Alana Smith, and I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I have five children, uh, a son, and then a daughter, and then two more sons, and then another daughter, and a husband. When Alana was pregnant with her first child over nine years ago, she may have possibly had a skewed idea of what birth would be like. Well, my expectations were that it wouldn't be that hard because my mom has the easiest deliveries of anyone. She um, actually, I remember one time she said that she was horrified when she found out some women had to push more than once. She was like, that would be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. So, yeah, so I, I grew up hearing these stories about how easy labor was for her. And I, I knew it was, she was special. I knew that wasn't normal, but for her it was very easy. And I was the first of any of my sisters to have a kid, so I just figured I would be like my mom, and I'd just go to the hospital and pop a baby out. And, you know, if it got hard, I could get an epidural, and that would be no big deal. No big deal indeed. That's what we all hope for as Labor Day nears, right? Just another day, another baby born. But it's always a big deal. And even if you don't know that going into labor, you generally figure it out by the end. And then my first ended up being an emergency C-section. And I was really sad. Like, I I just felt like I'd failed, which is terrible because plenty of people have C-sections. And and I I don't think that's failure. But for me, I felt like I had failed. And looking back on it now, I think a lot of the problem was mostly that psychologically, I really wasn't ready to become a mom. I was terrified. And I think that kind of transformed to, you know, like I was kind of scared to actually have the baby. And then I, I hadn't done any research. I didn't know anything. I just kind of showed up at the hospital and figured I'd have a baby. And so then they'd be like, well, do you want an epidural? And I was like, okay, let's have an epidural. And then they're like, well, should we break your water? I was like, sure, why not break my water? And then the baby dropped too fast and he didn't rotate properly and he was face up and then he got stuck and I pushed for 40 minutes and then his heart rate was decelerating and his oxygen was bad and they were like we need to just get this baby out we should probably do a c-section and I was like okay do a c-section and I think I think by the time it got to that point the c-section was the best thing to do for my baby but I think if I would have done things differently he probably wouldn't have needed to be a Mm c-section so that was a little sad for me I felt disappointed 
And this disappointment wasn't something Alana was going to let be. Over the next few years, before she had her second baby, she thought a lot about what she could have done differently, how she could have been more satisfied with her birth experience and with herself. If I would have done it differently, first of all, I would have researched more, which is what I did for my second baby then. I was like, okay, I am reading every book I can find on this um, so that I actually knew something about labor. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would have done differently is I would not have gotten the epidural. I would have, well, okay. First of all, it was just me and my husband. I would have had someone there helping out because, you know, like we, we had all these things in the car to help with labor, you know, like we had a birth ball and we had soothing music and all these things. And he never got him out of the car because I was too scared to let him go. I was like, well, what if you leave me and then the baby comes? Just stay right here. And I'm like, if we would have had another grown-up, we could have sent someone else to get the stuff, and maybe that would have helped. But I was just too scared. So I would have just done all of those things differently. I would have had someone. I would have read more. And then hopefully maybe I wouldn't have needed the epidural because I wouldn't have been so scared and so tight. You know, I just felt like I was tense about everything. And then maybe if I would have had the epidural, I wouldn't have needed them to break the All that. It was kind of a cascade effect. Alana read a lot of books, but she has a few favorites, ones that she recommends to anyone and everyone who asks. At the top of the list was The Big Book of Birth by Erica Lyons. She describes it as being incredibly informative without pushing a point of view. Just, these are the choices and here are the pros and cons so you can make the decisions that's best for you. She said she felt respected as a reader. Ina Mae Gaskin's books were also on the list and anything about VBAC, because that was her big goal for her second birth, and she wanted to know as much as she could about that. Her research seemed to pay off, more or less, because, well... How did that second birth go? Um, I thought it was great. Um, She was born at home on accident, (laughs) and the EMTs got there about five minutes before she was born, and they helped deliver her. And my husband will tell you that every gray hair he has was from that delivery because he was terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was wonderful. It was, it was easy. It was, I mean, I didn't even feel when she came out, my husband was like, her head's out now. And I was like, yeah, right. And then she started crying and I was like, oh, her head's out. Okay. So <laughs> you had a baby at home by accident. Which yes. you said you summed up in one sentence. Could you take us back a little bit? <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about how that went down. <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, so the main thing that I'd read was don't go to the hospital too soon. If you go to the hospital too soon, you're more likely to have interventions, and if you have interventions, you're more likely to have a C-section. Especially when you're doing VBAC, it's really important. If you cannot have the epidural, you have much better odds of, of having your baby vaginally. So that was kind of my big thing: was I am going to stay at home as long as I can. And so I I did. I I paced around and I sat on my birth ball and I read my book. And finally, I I woke my, it was like at one in the morning when I was really in labor. I woke him up and he called his parents and they were coming. So it was kind of like, all right, as soon as they get here, we'll go. But his parents lived about an hour away. So it was going to be a little while before they came. But that was fine. And so then I got in the shower, um, which I know now for me is a terrible idea when I'm in labor because that just speeds everything up. Um, so yeah, I, I got out of the shower and I was really in a lot of pain by then. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this without, without an epidural. This is really hurting. And my husband was like, well, you know, we'll get to the hospital and worry about it then. Don't worry about it for now. And, and we had to call the hospital and tell them we were coming and make sure that that they, they kind of have to approve it with our insurance. They had to say that was fine before we came. So I was talking to the nurse and she listened to me while I had a couple of contractions and she's like, all right, yeah, you sound like you're ready to come to the hospital. You know, as soon as you can, you come on in. 
And then she said, she's like, now you're not feeling an urge to push, right? And I was like, no, no. And she's like, okay, well, we'll see you soon, you know? And I was like, all right, thanks, bye. And I hung up and immediately I had an urge to push. And I, I said that to my husband. I was like, I just felt an urge to push. And he was like, well, don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I just need to go to the bathroom. So I, I went into the bathroom and he followed me and he's like, I just saw the baby's head. I'm calling 911. <sighs> And so I was like, well, okay. And so he called 911 and he's talking to them and they're like, okay, have her lay down on her left side. And he's like, they said, I'll lay down on your left side. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. And I actually, I'd heard about some woman who had her baby in the bathtub because it would be easier to clean up. So I actually got in the bathtub and was just kind of on my hands and knees there, kind of trying not to push, but not really. You can't really not push once you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember this part very well, but apparently my husband was wandering around our apartment trying to find shoelaces because he was convinced he would have to tie off the umbilical cord. And he, that was all he could think about. Um, and then the EMTs got there and they were like, okay, we're going to get her in the ambulance. And my husband's like, you're not getting her in the ambulance. And they, they came and got me and they're like, okay, we're going to get you on the bed. And they like hauled me up by my shoulders and were like, okay, you need to move to the bed. And I was like, why do I need to move to the bed? And and I, I think really the problem is that there, it was a very small apartment and there just wasn't room for them to maneuver around me in the bathroom. And so they, they walked me right to the bed, which was just a few steps away. And as soon, I, I kind of got onto the bed on all fours and then her head came out. And then she, so, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as she was born, I just, I felt so good. I just felt so good. And I just, because I was on my hands and knees and I kind of collapsed onto my stomach and I was like, I want to see my baby. And they were like, we got to cut the cord before we can give her to you. Just, just wait. And, and then they handed her to me and I, yeah, I was just so happy. And then the, the irony was that they couldn't get the, our apartment was a two level apartment and they couldn't get the gurney up the stairs. So they're like, do you think you can walk down the stairs? I'm like, sure. And I, they carried the baby and I walked down the stairs and then got on the gurney down there and, and they let me hold her in the ambulance and. Yeah, it was well, everyone was happy. The EMTs, most of them had never delivered a baby before, so they were super excited about it. They were taking pictures, like, that was the coolest thing ever. And one guy actually said, I didn't remember this, but my husband told me that one guy was like, that baby just popped out like a watermelon, which was <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense at all. What are you talking about? Flattering. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but it was it was easy. And I and the thing was is that where I'd felt like a failure with the first birth, with that one I felt awesome. Like I felt like I can do anything now and because wow. you know all those birth books they talk about how it's so empowering and I was always like, That's really cheesy, whatever. And then once I did, I was like, No, that was empowering, actually. I I feel pretty amazing right now. But yeah, it was wonderful. The only bad thing was that when we went to the hospital, then they were all kind of jerks to me. Um this whole mess because my insurance was not at the hospital they took me to. And so then they didn't believe I had insurance or they didn't believe I'd been seeing a doctor at all. And they like took my baby away for two hours and they called social services and yeah, no, I'm serious. They were kind of mean about it. Like the doctor actually said, she was like, what happened? And I was like, well, the baby just came too fast. And she was like, no, you had a vaginal delivery after a C-section. And my husband was like, that's called a VBAC. It's a very normal procedure. And yeah, she was not happy with us. But I at least had that time in the ambulance. And I figure out later that's the happiest way to ride in an ambulance that you will ever get to do. Yeah. yeah. It's your brand new baby and everything's fine. At the time, Alana didn't think too much about her experience at the hospital. After all, going to the hospital is just what you do, right? She had to be there and putting up with the questions and accusations were no big deal compared with how great she felt after having her baby in such an empowering way. It wasn't until her third baby was born that she started to question the hospital assumption. 
but then my third baby, I went to the hospital. That was actually my, my husband said we could not have any more kids until I promised we would go to the hospital. <laughs> and um, so we did. And, and we went kind of early because I was afraid that the same thing would happen. So we went really early. And then I had doctors that were with my insurance and they were complete jerks to me there too. Um, like yelling at me the whole time and trying to bully me into doing, you know, like they were like, well, we're going to break your water now. And I was like, no, I don't want my water broken. And they're like, well, then you can go home. And I was like, I put my baby at home on accident last time. You're not sending me home. And just, it was this big fight the entire time. And it culminated with me like pushing and the nurses couldn't find the doctor. And they're all screaming at me that I can't push until they find the doctor. And then the doctor shows up and she started yelling at me because I was on my hands and knees like I was with the last one. And I had like, I'd done the hospital tour and I'd asked, can you have your baby on your hands and knees? And they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. No big deal. And then when I was doing it, the doctor was like, you need to lay down. And I mean, if you've read anything about labor, you know that you're not supposed to really lay down. That's not really an easy way to deliver a baby. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, no, I don't. And she was like, I can't see what I'm doing. You need to lay down. And I finally was like, I'm not laying down. And, and she, and, and, I mean, having this conversation while I'm pushing, which is really horrible. And she finally was like, well, will you at least lay down on your side? And so I was like, all right. So I'm kind of trying to get down on one elbow, which, again, you're pushing. It's really hard to move at all. And she actually grabbed my leg and flipped me over onto my back. And my baby was born right then. And I was just like, what just happened? I can't believe she did that to me. Um, And it was horrible. And I, and I was not happy. Like I was really unhappy. And I, whereas the second birth, I'd felt like so awesome and so great. This one, I was just kind of like, I hate all of you. And yeah, I was, it was sad and it was demoralizing. Alana felt tension between what she wanted and what the doctor wanted from the very beginning. Alana knew what had worked with her second baby and she knew what she wanted to do. Her doctor seemed to have a very clear plan of what needed to happen. And it seemed to be at odds with Alana. That doctor, the only thing she said to me after I had him, well, she said it's a boy because I had not found out because I wanted to be surprised. And I was like, oh, it's a boy. And then she's, I had a little tear and she was stitching me up. And she says, do you want lidocaine? She didn't say another word to me the whole rest of the time. She would not speak to me. She was so mad at me. And I was like, congratulations. You had a baby? You know, like, really? Would that be so hard to say? But it was. It was very personal to her that I didn't do what she wanted me to do, and she was she didn't like me. And, and, and I was one of those people, like, I was the good student Hermione type who raises your hand first in class. And, like, I'm kind of a people pleaser. And so to have her just not even talk to me was like, what did I do wrong? I had a baby. Come on. Do you think there's anything you could have done where you would have been happier with the outcome? Well... I, that was why for my fourth kid, I decided to have a home birth with a midwife. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> this was not a decision that Alana and her husband took lightly. She agonized over it for a long time. She worried that if something went wrong, she would have to carry the guilt of it for the rest of her life. But just like after that first birth, the C-section, she threw herself into research mode and read and prayed a lot. Along the way, she discovered a book called The Gift of Giving Life. Okay, it's it's birth stories and birth stuff written by a bunch of Mormon women, and it has a lot of essays that people have contributed. But it's very much a Mormon book. And um, I read that, and there was an essay in it called Unity with Your Healthcare Provider. And it talked about how you should have a, a healthcare person with you who you trust and who is Christ-like and who will treat you in a way. They're saying that not that they have to be Mormon and not even that they have to be Christian, but that they have to treat you the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And that one really hit me hard where I was like, I can't, I can't do that with this, the way that my insurance is. I have no way of knowing what my doctor will be like. 
and I, it's just this big gamble. And um, at the time, I was actually hoping I could get my insurance to approve me going to a birth center. Um, and I was meeting with the head OBGYN for the whole area the next day. And so I was really stressed. Like I had sent him a 12-page letter explaining why I thought I could go to a birth center and included medical studies and all these things to try and show him why I thought it was okay. And I, I read that essay and it just really hit me like this. I need some choice in who's going to be over me. I, I, need, I need to know who will be with me. And then as I was reading it and thinking, this was like in the middle of the night. You know, do you guys do all your best thinking? In the middle of the night. <laughs> My head hits the pillow and all of a sudden I'm like alive. <laughs> now, but at the time. <laughs> um, anyway, and then it really occurred to me that I didn't need their approval to have a home birth. I could do whatever I wanted. And that was this big burden off of me to be like, you know, we could pay for it ourselves if they don't approve it. And that's okay. And then it really was just down to like, what is my choice? What do I need to do? And I was praying about it that night because I really felt like, I didn't know everything. And, and even with all the research I was doing, I couldn't possibly know that everything would be okay with my baby. And I kind of needed more information. And I was praying about it, and it just hit me just like a flash. Like, I will have this baby at home, and Marshall Midwifery, which was one of the places I'd look into, will deliver your baby. And I was like, okay. And I, I felt so happy then. I was just like, I know what I'm doing. Yay, it's perfect. It'll work. And the next morning, my husband got up and he's getting ready to go to work. And I was like, I know what we're going to do. We're going to do And I'd start telling him all of this. And he's like, uh, <laughs> I have an answer to that. Too. <laughs> and I was like, that's fine. You pray about it too. But you're going to get the same answer. It's all great. We're going to be good. And and he, it took him a little while to come around to it because it was a lot of money to pay out of pocket for a, for a midwife and stuff. But we, we interviewed the midwife and she was exactly right for me. Um, she actually was not like kind of a hippie, cuddly midwife, like you kind of think of them being. She was very businesslike. I remember talking to her on the phone for the first time, and I was kind of telling her some of the things I, I was interested in for my birth. And, and she kind of cut me off. She's like, look, no, what you want is a healthy baby, and I will get you a healthy baby. And if that means we have to go to the hospital, I will get you to the hospital, but we will have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you are exactly right. I like you. And um and she was. She she delivered my fourth baby and my fifth baby at home, and it was it was a beautiful. Both of them were beautiful births. They were just exactly how I wanted them to be. As clear as the answer was for Alana in that situation, not everyone latched onto the idea. It led to some difficult conversations. My in laws were very scared about the whole thing. They they started watching Downton Abbey right when I was about due and watched the episode where the girl dies in childbirth and they like called us up and had an intervention because they were terrified about having my baby at home. Do you want to end up like Sybil? No, seriously, they were they were so scared for me and, and it was really hard because I kinda of wanted to be offended, but I was like, No, they're doing this because they love me and they're worried about me. But but I didn't have any doubt because I knew. I knew it would be just fine. And I actually was very nervous for my fifth baby because I never did get that kind of confirmation with her. And I was like, I hope I'm okay to do this again. Like just cause I didn't feel like it was a guarantee, but, but I felt okay with it. Then I had my kind of wishy-washy like, Oh, I think this is okay. We're going to do it. But honestly it was kind of scary, almost scarier that fifth time because I didn't feel like I had this big answer. It was really funny trying to explain it to my dad because he just didn't understand at all what I was doing at all. Like I I tried to say, I was like, he's like, well, what do you need a midwife for? I was like, well, 
you know, part of her job is if I need to go to the hospital to tell me I need to go to the hospital to, you know, have that knowledge. And he was like, well, I can tell you to go to the hospital. Why do you need so much to go to the hospital? I was like, no, to have, you know, not paying her to tell me when to go to the hospital. I'm, she's there if I need to go, but the plan is to not go at all. And he was like, oh, and he just hadn't really grasped the concept yet. But um, yeah, other than my in-laws, most people were, if they weren't supportive, they were at least willing to be like, oh, okay, well, good luck. Alana was more than halfway through her fourth pregnancy when she decided to have a home birth. The peace she felt about it showed up when she went to her checkups with her children in tow. At her doctor's office, her blood pressure would often be elevated until her husband took the kids home and she had a chance to sit and rest for a bit. At the midwives, even with all the kids sitting on the bed with her, she was fine. Her blood pressure was normal. But the real test of her decision came when she was in labor and transitioned to pushing. I was sitting on the toilet and my water broke. And then I went to pushing. And so I kind of called out to her and she comes into the bathroom. This is my midwife. And, and she just, she kneeled down in front of me and she held my hands and she was like, look, we're going to have this baby right now. You can have this baby on the toilet if you want. Plenty of women have done it, but I think you'd be more comfortable on the bed. Do you want to move to the bed or do you want to stay here? And I said, I want to move to the bed. And she's like, all right, let's move you. And then she and my husband kind of helped me over to the bed. But I loved that she was so respectful to me that it was my choice and it was fine. And she was there to work with me. However, I saw fit. And that, that was the difference right there in a nutshell that I wanted. Do you think that you could have, um, I mean, I think it's so interesting that you sort of came to home birth through, through experience, um, and almost kind of through the experience of regret. Um, do you think that you, you would have, um, do you think you could have had a home birth for your first birth? Um, I probably physically could have, I don't think mentally I would have been ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I just don't think I was there. This is a pretty loaded question, but are you going to have any more children? I don't know. I have no idea. Like I, I honestly, people ask me, I'm like, I could see it going either way right now, you know, kind of a 50, 50 chance. Cause I, Sometimes I'm like, I would, could really be done with diapers. I have been doing this for a long time, and I would be fine never changing another diaper. And then other times I'm holding my baby, I'm like, she's so big, we should have another. Oh, and yes, I, I do not know. All I know is not for a couple of years, at least. <laughs> so if you were to have another baby, that 50% chance, would you have another home birth? Um, I don't know. We actually just moved, and so my insurance is totally different now. And I would have to figure out how it works. If they had a birth center, I would probably look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we're we're a little further away from a hospital now than we were before, and I, I don't my midwife isn't here anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I would be back at square one, looking into all my options again and trying to figure out what I thought was best. So I'm wondering, like, when you talk with other women, with your friends, with other with other expectant mothers who maybe haven't done this before, um, what kind of things do you share with them? How do you approach that conversation? Um, it really depends on how well I know them <laughs> because I don't like to start out by talking about how I've had my babies at home. Cause I think people make assumptions about you then. And I, not that those assumptions would even be wrong, but that I kind of want them to know me better before they just say, Oh, she's a crazy person who gave birth at home. Um, so I, I tend to kind of wait and kind of feel it out a little bit, but I also, I really try 
to share my experiences, but, but emphasize that it's, it's what works for you is important. Like actually my, my youngest sister is, is pregnant right now. Um, she lives in Harlem and she's trying to figure out, I guess her insurance, she can do a, a hospital or a birth center and she's trying to figure out what she's going to do. And we've talked about it a lot, but I, I try really hard to be respectful of her choice that whatever she thinks is best is what's best for her. And I will be happy with her no matter what. I, I try not to let it be like, well, I did it this way. So you should too. Cause I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever find yourself jumping in and, um, I mean, I guess like I hear women talk about like, Oh, I'm not really that satisfied with my doctor and, but what can I do now? I'm 37 weeks and, I would totally jump in then if they were if they left the door open like that I would (laughs) oh I had a home birth and that was awesome and but again but then I'd hold back and be like if they want to hear about it I would tell them but if they look horrified I'd be like but it's not for everyone it may seem that since Alana has had such great experiences birthing at home planned or not she might be a staunch advocate for home birthing but that isn't necessarily where she stands this is something she has thought about a lot and researched deeply and really struggled with She's considered becoming a midwife or a doula. And through all of that, her philosophy of childbirth and different approaches to it has come together. And I I came to the conclusion, honestly, I think it's a lot like wearing glasses. Because some people need them and some people don't. But if I don't need glasses, it's not really fair for me to go around telling everyone else that I don't need glasses and you shouldn't either because your eyes were developed to see and you don't need glasses. Um, Because yes, your eyes are for seeing, but some people do need them. And I I think it's similar with birth, where your body was made to give birth and it should be able to, but there are problems sometimes. And it's wonderful that we have technology that can help, but you kind of need to know what's right for you and you kind of need to explore your options and do the research for yourself and figure out what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So that's basically how I feel about it. (laughs) Um, Who was it? I think it's Amy Poehler. It's her philosophy. I mean, it's it's similar. It's... Mm-hmm. She says, you know, good for them, not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, and honestly, I made fun of people who had home births before I had one. I was like, those people are crazy. And then I, when I had my second, I was like, actually, I kind of loved that. <laughs> and I mean, people would even ask, oh, are you going to have this baby at home? And I was like, no, I'm not stupid. And, <laughs> and then I kind of did a full 180 on that. And, um, but I still understand why people don't necessarily think that's a good idea because it is risky and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to do what you're comfortable with. And I feel like me telling anyone else what to do wasn't helpful, you know? Um, so I'm wondering if you like having thought about this a lot, having thought about going into midwifery or being a doula or something, um, what would, what would your perfect birth look like? in a hospital versus at home? Um, my perfect birth in a hospital would be just whatever made the mom comfortable. You know, if she wants to dim the lights, if she wants her mom there, I don't really care that much as long as she feels comfortable, if she feels supported and safe. I think feeling safe is so important when you're in labor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and same thing at home, you know, cause honestly I've heard stories of really terrible midwives who, did not make their patients feel that way. And I think that, yeah, those are kind of the keys is that the the mom feels supported and safe and protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Unity. Unity. And it's such an interesting concept, you know, because I think we have this idea of like healthcare is like, you know, just this big behemoth, but the idea of like finding unity with your healthcare provider. Yeah. Super interesting. It really does feel like 
very antagonistic from, yeah, I mean, just all the, all that we've been talking about. And I know that in other interviews that we've had, it's always feels like, you know, there's some sort of antagonism between the, the doctor and the, and the mother, like they're not on the same page and that's just really sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate and it's not necessary. I mean, yeah, I think, Mm-hmm. probably those are the stories that we talk about the most because those are the stories, but I, you know, I think there's probably, mm-hmm. probably just as many stories where people are, you know, they are unified with their healthcare. Yeah. Provider. They don't feel the need to focus on that because it went well. You right. Right. They're more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad because as we were talking, it did start to sound as though hospitals were the villain and to make it through childbirth, both without a C-section incision and your dignity intact, you had to avoid them. It's true that Alana's best experiences were birthing at home, and of my three births, my best by far was also the one I had at home. My husband and I had also felt ignored, neglected, and disrespected in the hospital setting. But again, the stories that are stories, the ones that get told and told again, are the ones that require processing trauma, and simply by the law of numbers and the fact that a vast majority of women have their babies in hospitals, most of those stories will be set in a hospital. Thankfully, Valerie was able to step in and give us a glimpse into what a good experience a hospital birth can be. You know, it's interesting. I wonder, it's, it's interesting to me how much, like, experience really plays such a huge part in this. Like, my first birth experience was not fantastic in a lot of ways. But um, my second was with another doctor, and it was at a, a different hospital. And um, it was really positive. Like, the, I felt really supported and, and really... I mean, I was just surrounded the whole time. My nurse was very um, vigilant and, and really sensitive and kind. And the, even the, there was a nurse anesthetist. I have a problem with my epidural. And she just hung out. Like, she would give me another dose, and she would just wait to see if it took. And she would, she just sat there and chatted with me and my husband. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't see my doctor till the very end, but she works with a lot of uh, PAs who were there just in and out the whole time. I was there for a really long time and they were just there and I mean it was just all these they all happened to be women everyone happened to be women and I just felt so supported and cared for and the next day they all came to see me in my hospital room and you know just see the baby and tell me how proud they were of me and because I had a VBAC as well mm-hmm. and um yeah, and so That's what I wanted I wanted people to tell me what a good job I'd done, and yeah, and I, I just think like it's it's so it's amazing to me how much how much that kind of experience, just the experience of who you talk to and how they speak to you mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. in such a vulnerable place. Just, I mean, not that it matters more than a healthy baby, but, but it just doesn't matter. I mean, you said that you felt after was it after the second that you felt demoralized. Third, yeah, I felt demoralized. Like that's yeah. that's a tough word. That's well, a tough word in that such doctor a situation. Would... Yeah, it is interesting, and I wonder. Sometimes I wonder how if 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 people realize, you know, because it's you yeah. know, of course they know they're doing an important job. The nurse, my, the nurse I had when, with my first baby, <laughs> I heard someone call her by her first name. Like they were it was two nurses talking to each other. She asked me how I was doing, and I called her by her first name, and she was like, it's Miss Wilson. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. I am in for it. 
That was like the first thing she said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it, it's her job and, and she goes there every day and she must feel for whatever reason that it's important to have that kind of distance with her patients. And, and I wonder if she, I wonder if she knows that I still remember that. And, you know, and that if they, you know, if people think about, if you're, if that doctor thinks about, about how that was demoralizing for you to have her like flip you over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just wonder, I wonder if they, if people, if, if doctors and, and nurses and, you know, they see so many people and if not every experience can be a positive one because that's just statistics. But I wonder if they, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot of weight to carry, but... It is a heavy weight to carry, and attending childbirth is undoubtedly an extremely stressful job. Many women come in with a plan, a birth plan, but there is evidence that those plans may be counterproductive. Like Alana said, her telling anyone what to do is not helpful. What would it be like? How would things change, I wonder, if, instead, our birth plans said things like, I want to be respected. I want to be included in the decision-making process. I want to know that we are on the same team and that my body is being respected. I want to feel encouraged. In other words, I want not just to be healthy, I want to feel whole. Thank you, Alana, for sharing your multitude of experiences. Thanks for your candor and good humor. Thanks to Ben Howell and Ellen Barnhart for the music. Thanks to Ryan Barnhart. Thanks to Micah Heiselt, who, rumor has it, was accepted into a school of dolphins as one of their own. And thanks to you, our listeners. Thanks for being patient as we sort out our schedule. Thanks for sharing your stories, and thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, leave us a review on iTunes, and visit our website, cocoonstories.com, for more content.